Welcome to the Vanguard Church Podcast. You're about to hear a sermon from Vanguard Church Central in the heart of Colorado Springs. With every message, it's our prayer that you hear and learn how to live out your faith in real relationship with Jesus and with others. May your faith be strengthened, your hope increased, and your heart inspired to live for Jesus no matter the cost. Stay tuned. Thanks for listening. Good morning. Welcome to Vanguard. I am Candice Kovac. It is my great pleasure to bring the word of God to you today. We are plowing through creed. How are you liking it so far? Good? Good? Uh, I don't know. I mean, can I just rate your woo for just a second? It was like, I mean, okay, all right. That's Yes, you're my ringer. I always got one in the front. So welcome to Vanguard Online. We welcome you. Thank you so much for coming to us from wherever you are. Confession time. I am not a romantic. Anybody in this room a romantic? Uh, It depends on what you call a romantic, right? I mean, that's a fair. Some of you are like all in. Yes, it's definitely me. Let me explain. So uh, I don't really understand candlelight dinners. I always struggle to see. You know, it's supposed to be setting a, a tone. It's just reminding me really that, you know, I'm getting older and my sight is going. Um, I also really don't like getting flowers. In 25 years of marriage, my husband has never bought me flowers because I'm like, now I feel like I got to take care of this thing and it's just going to die anyway. And yeah, you think, gosh, that's a, that's a little boring, Candace. I concur. I concur. I am boring and that's okay. You know what else is okay? It's okay if you are a romantic. Like it's okay to want some experience and some mood and some feelings and some, some, some sensations. We're human beings after all, right? But here's where that gets sticky. If we become romantics the way that world has constructed it, we fall into one little trap and here it is. That trap is falling in love. Ah, you know, we watch the movies and the music swells and she runs into his arms and he buys her things and he says, it'll only ever be you forever and ever. And then they get divorced at the end or, you know, someone dies because life is real. And what's happened is we seem to have bought into this falling in love definition, the way the world has defined it. Well, we're going to be doing a little spin this week. You know, we've been moving through, as I said, the Creed series, and we've had some heavy stuff, like the gospel. Pastor Micah covered it early on, and though it was titled differently, it is essentially the gospel. I am chosen, I'm forgiven, I'm redeemed and restored. Shout out to Pastor Micah, because that was a whole lot to cover in about 30 minutes. Didn't he do a good job? And then we also have talked about how-tos. Virginia, how do we multiply? How do we lead? Andrea, how do we love? How do we pray? A lot of how-tos, and these are heavy topics. We want to get them right for God. Well, I have good news for you, because today there are no how-tos. Here's my goal today. I want you to fall in love with Jesus. 
Not the way the world says to do it, but the way that we're going to see the Bible tells you to do it. And if you haven't thought of that before, well, I'm glad we're together today. And if you don't know Jesus Christ and you're sitting in this room, I want you by the end of this sermon to want to run up here and pray with someone and say, I have to have him. And if you've loved him, maybe all of your life, I want you to remember what sparked your love in the first place. And then wherever you're coming from, I want you to be able with a little gleam in your eye to say, that's my king. That's who he is. That's who I love. And I want to fall in love with him every single day. I don't want to have this one sensation. I want to go deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper until it's my time to go home. And then ain't nobody going to care about falling in love because you will be basking in the presence of the living God forever. Amen? All right, are you ready to go? Are you ready to go? Yeah, yeah, let's go. So we, as Pastor Micah said, are doing the line of the sending. It says, I'll worship King Jesus in spirit and truth. So the logical first question is, who is King Jesus? Why do we say King? What makes him so special? I'm glad you asked. Paul's going to tell us in 1 Timothy 6, 15 through 16. Grab your programs, grab your U version, grab your Bibles. Here we go. He who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone has immortality. He'll live forever and ever. He is beyond time. He dwells in unapproachable light whom no one, no one, has ever seen with their eyes or even can see. To him be the honor and eternal dominion. Amen. Amen. I love when the Bible cues you to what you're supposed to say. Amen. Amen. I agree. And then look at John 14, 6. Look at this uh, compacted view of God. Jesus said to him, I love a savior who talks to me. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Who is King Jesus? He's absolute. Write that down. King Jesus is absolute. Where are you getting that, Candace? I just read it to you. Look at the language in 1 Timothy. He who is the blessed and only, the blessed and only, only, there are no others. There's one, absolute. He is the king of kings. No one outranks him. He's the top of the leaderboard. He's the winner of all times. There's no Lord, no God with a little G who says, I can do more, be more, offer you more. And this is my favorite part. In a meeting on Wednesday, as many of you know, I teach English. And so words matter. And we were talking about the difference between articles A and the. And I love how there it is in my sermon, the symmetry of God. Jesus Christ himself says it. And not only does he say it, he says it three times. I am the way. The article means there are no other options. If I say that's a dog, there's lots of dogs to choose from. But if I say the Jesus, there's no other Jesuses. He's the one. He's singular. He's purposeful. He cannot be replaced. King Jesus is absolute. 
How do you not fall in love with that? This God who can fill you so completely because no one else can. And yet we yearn and we, we long and we chase after someone else, something else. And we say, I just want to fall in love. And the King Jesus that scripture just described to you says, I can be your everything. And all those other things you're chasing, they disappoint you. They fall short and then you're bitter and then you're empty and you're broken and you're sad because this world will fail you. But the absolute King Jesus never does. Why aren't we in love with him? Why aren't we in love with him? Give me a name. Give me a name, Bob. So if we knew Bob and we said, oh gosh, you do know a Bob. Mike is like my dad's Bob. If you think of someone and we can put their name in this First Timothy passage. Let's try it together, okay? So in your mind, you can think of a name. And instead of he, write in the name. Blank, who is the blessed and only sovereign. Mm, no, that doesn't work. Bob doesn't work there. The king of kings and lord of lords. Bob alone has immortality. I mean, I don't know about you. I haven't found anyone who's immortal. Haven't run across them yet. Bob dwells in unapproachable light. No. See, again and again and again, any standard by which we apply the scripture that belongs only to King Jesus, we will see fail over and over and over. He's absolute. When we can see King Jesus in this light, when we remove the scales from our eyes and we see him not as equal to humanity or needing to give us something or be something to us, but that he is unapproachable light, that he is absolute perfection, that he is the way, the truth, and the life, we begin to enter into worship. It's a state of being. And it begins with understanding with whom you're falling in love. In your program, you have a statement with some blanks. Let me fill that in for you. Worship means to regard God with great, as in a lot, or extravagant, as in over the top. Over the top. Over the top, respect, honor, and devotion. Because we look at these other components that fill our life and we say, I'll give you my fidelity. I'll give you my consistency. I'll give you my devotion. I'll give you my honor. I'll give you my respect. And then we seem shocked when they fail us. I do. I've certainly fallen into that trap. But the question then becomes, are we worshiping the wrong things? I don't always think we mean to. Can I just tell you the truth? I don't always think that you mean to. But because we're not in this state of mind that reminds us about who we're worshiping, because we can so easily become consumed with this very limited state, which is this time on this planet, we fall into that trap of thinking, I want to fall in love with something that I can touch. We want the tangible, don't we? I want to reach out and I want to feel you. I want to have that sensation, that rush of adrenaline, that falling in love as the world experiences it. But then what happens is that we turn toward the tangible that's empty and we turn from the God who's full. 
We turn from him because we say, well, you're not tangible. What we really mean is you're not real. This is a very real God that scripture just defined for us. It's a very real God. And what happens when we're in that state of worship? Well, the line of the sending takes us to a different state. I'll worship King Jesus, check, I've got King Jesus, check, I've got a good understanding of what worship is. And then we say in spirit and in truth. Now, wait, 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 what's this about? I want you to think of the first as the who, because that makes sense, right? King Jesus. And now we're going to talk about the how in spirit and truth. So now you look at this beautiful, absolute king and you say, I want to love you sold out, but I don't know how, but I don't know how. John 4, 23, but the hour is coming and is now here. This is Jesus speaking, by the way. When the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, this is where we got the sending. For the Father is seeking such people to worship. He's seeking you. Hello, are you there? God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Between human nature, this is in your program, write it down. Between human nature... The human nature, I want you to think about the flesh, the body. The limitation of this temporal world, the place where we are more inclined to exhibit our sin, and the divine. Now, the divine capitalized, we know that's God. Between the two is the human spirit, which is the place from where we worship God. It is internal. This place where we worship God. Now, this could be an entire sermon in and of itself. So I want you to bear with me because I don't have the time to go entirely into it. Scripture, again and again, old and new, breaks down for us a three-part existence. The body, the soul, and the spirit. So this place that I'm referencing here is where the Holy Spirit dwells. In 1 Corinthians, it says that the Holy Spirit comes into us and he makes his home. Don't you love that picture? That Jesus, when he left us, sent a comforter called the Holy Spirit. And he moves into this inner space and he makes his home. He makes his home in you. That is a God who loves you. That is a savior who's absolute. I am going away, but I'm not gonna leave you alone. I'm gonna send you one who will dwell inside of you. And this inner space is also referenced multiple times in scripture, Old Testament and new. And it references that we will go to the secret place and I'm going to commune with God. There I will connect with him in my secret place, in the place where he dwells in me. Hallelujah. Thank you, God, that you dwell in us. Thank you. How do you worship him in spirit? Here's the how. It's your point. See him. Now, I don't mean with eyes. I'm not talking about seeing him tangibly because we've already established we can't do that. Scripture says no one has, no one can see him. But what can we do? See him as recognizing who he is. Stop making him who you wish he was. Stop making him who you want him to be. But tell God that you know who he is because the word says so. And then you live it out with him day after day and hour after hour until you have a lifetime of story that you have seen him. I love a God that I can see. He doesn't have to be tangible. 
See, that's how we limit him. That's not how he is limited. Philippians 2, starting with verse 5. Have this mind among yourselves. Have this mind among yourselves. Get dialed into this. Which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, this is Jesus, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Now, if this sounds familiar, Pastor Aaron McLean, our worship pastor, taught us through this verse. And if you want to learn more about his application of it, I strongly encourage go back. He did the line, I'm a leader. Profound sermon. Verse 7, Jesus emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, that's a very important word. We're gonna unpack the, the importance of therefore. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. Every name. Verse 10, so that at the name of Jesus, Every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Let me bundle this up for you. God is so vast, so big, so magnificent, you can't get it. Now, we wanna spend the rest of our lives trying, but we ain't never gonna get it. He can't be grasped. Stop and think about that. You, you, you're so small, you can't get it. Still the same God that dwells in you. But you can't get it because you're just a small human. And Jesus comes and takes the very form that can't grasp him. And then he dies for you. So you might say, why is the name of King Jesus? Why does it have so much power? Why does it have so much influence? Why at the name of it do demons flee? Why does Satan quake at the mention of it? Because he's the savior. Not just that he's the son of God, not just that he's a part of the triune God, but that he came, took on the flesh form, died for you, and it says, therefore, because of that, due to that, as a result of that, his name is the name that will bring us all to our knees. That's your King Jesus. Do you know him? Do you know him? Magnificent God. How do you worship in spirit? Adore him. First, you have to see him because see, we have to recognize his magnificence and then we are brought to our knees and we say adore. If you've ever had a baby, ever had a grandbaby, ever cared about any tiny little life and that power. I mean, I remember when all my children were, was born and I would hold them moments after meeting them and I'm examining every little fingernail. I'm looking every hair on their head. I'm stroking, I could just stare and did hours and hours. That's adoration. That's adoration. And that's just a baby. 
And though incredible and powerful and magnificent and called to love them, they are not at the level of Jesus. We have to recognize him and we have to adore him. Look at the example in Revelation 4, 8. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within. And that's weird. And that's a sermon for another day too. But day and night, this is what I want you to take away. Day and night, night and day, they never cease. Never is an absolute word. It means doesn't stop. It's infinite. That's what never means. They never cease. And they say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Found this definition of holy. It was in a commentary in my study and it just gave me chills. Here it is. You want to hear it? No, you do, right? You do want to hear it? Okay, here it is. It, quote, denotes that excellence which is altogether peculiar to himself. That excellence, which is altogether peculiar to himself. It's so good, only he's got it. Holy. There is no one like you, God. There is no one above you. There is no one around you. There, you cannot be beaten. You cannot be overcome. You, I can test you and test you and you'll always come through. You'll never leave. You never disappear. You never disappoint. You never vanish. You, you are steady, you holy God. I wonder, do we know that God? Do we know that God? And if you're in this room and you're like, I don't know that I do. I don't know that I do. I've never really thought about Jesus. Well, I'm glad you told me. Let's get you into a Bible study. We have those. You know, at the end of the sending, we always say, what's your next steps, right? Gather, engage, and multiply. Maybe your first step is, I don't know the Savior you're talking about. Perfect. Let's lead you to Jesus Christ today. Let's introduce you. I will be happy to do it. If it isn't a Bible study, maybe we can get you into a huddle, a small group of people that will gather and pray and disciple one another journey through life together or a life group. Maybe you need to start serving at the church. The, the deepest, most meaningful relationships I currently have in my life, every single one of them, apart from biology, was born from getting down in the ditch and doing ministry. Hear me say that. All of them, all of them. I'm looking at some of you in the room and we have gotten down into the dirt and said, this is what God has given us in the land and we will till it and we will harvest it and we will give it back to the glory of God. And once you get down into the grit with someone in the name of Jesus, you will come out bonded and it will stand the test of time. What's your next step? To worship this King Jesus. So we've covered how to worship him in spirit, but now we have this other section in truth, in spirit and. Notice that conjunction and. It's not choose one, Pick one depending on your mood or your day or your lifestyle, but it says, and that's both. You need both. Here's your next fill in the blank. Truth is our mindset that knows God's word and chooses to live in our actions that truth. It's external. So the spirit was internal, that secret place that we're communing with God. We need to see him and adore him. And now we come to the place where we live it out. We demonstrate that with our actions and our choices. 
If you are a follower of Christ and your mindset is determined by anything other than God's word, you are in trouble. Well, Candace, what happened to your happy vibe? That is a happy vibe. That's good news. Because see, the world makes our decisions on politics. We make it on religion, like little r, religion. We make it on money. We make it on power, class, where we live, what we drive, what our jobs are. But we know better because we have the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. We have chosen Jesus Christ. We have said, you are my King Jesus. And he has sent his word. God has given us the Bible so that we have a map, a guidepost, a lamp unto our feet so that we know where to go, how to go, when to go. Now, this is not easy business studying God's word. It's certainly not easy business living it out, but we know how to live in truth. We know how to live in truth. But if you do not fall on your face in adoration of God, if you have not engaged him and equipped yourself with him, if you have not communed with him in your secret place consistently and steadfastly with total adoration, then you will find yourself being distracted by the deception of truth, little t, instead of truth, capital T, God's way. Amen? This requires... How do I worship in truth? This requires that we yield. Yield. Now, some people like the word submit. I am not against the word submit. By the way, submission is not a woman's word. Submission is a word for God's people. But I don't want to get sidetracked by that. Let's stick to yield, and I'll tell you why. You ever try yielding in Colorado Springs? Oh, dear Jesus, save us. Lord, I need you now. And I mean, literally, you might be looking at death. For me, I'm like, I repent of my sin. The things I say when I'm trying to yield, okay? What does yield mean? Yield is saying, you have the right of way and I will come. Or I have the right of way and you will yield. It's a giving of one to another by recognizing who is first. Now that happens in our church relationships, in our family, in all relationships. But what I want you to focus on is yielding to God. See, because we get into this falling in love mentality, uh, as the world puts it, and what happens is we say to God, well, I have the right of way. So giddy up, God. Oh, but if we see him, as King Jesus, if we know these scriptures, how would we even begin to fall into the temptation to tell God to yield to us? It's laughable, but we do it. And instead, what we need to do is say, God, you are the right way. You have the right of way and I yield to you. I yield to you. I submit to you. I'll follow your way. And when we do that, we find, second point, write this down, that we stick. That we stick. You're like, what do you mean? Like fetch stick? No, no. Like glue. Like glue. No one stays anywhere anymore. We've lost the art of the stick. 
And I look around this room and I see the Arsenos and I see the Johnstons and I see the Heislers. And I think about, I see, I see Micah, who is now about to bring uh, a baby girl with Catherine into a family of believers that he grew up in. That's sticking. Here's the power of the stick. When you say, God, where have you called me to be? So I'm not talking about the things that you feel or that you think, or, you know, we're, we're just so passive sometimes, aren't we? Where we're like, well, I don't feel like doing that, or I'm bored with that. So I'm just going to go meander over here. And then when I'm bored with that, I'll just go meander over here. And what happens is you fall in love with the here. And then as it eventually will disappoint you, you go over here looking for the new thing. And we're forgetting that God has called us into this space. And when we're in this space, we say, God, as long as you have called me here, I am not moving. I'm going to stick. I'm going to stick for as long as you want, however long you want. And that is how you get marriages that last 40 years. That's how you get churches that last 27 years. That's how you get relationships that last decades. That's how you have a friend from the seventh grade, my friend Jenny. She has a friend from the seventh grade who just came to visit her from Wisconsin. That stick takes discipline. But when it comes to God, you know what it takes even before discipline? You got to fall in love with King Jesus. Because when you're in love with him, you want whatever he wants. You want to be wherever he is. You want to do whatever he's doing. Third point, say yes. How do you worship in truth? Say yes. Say yes. What a legacy it would be for me. And I won't be there. I'll be with Jesus. But if, I, if and when I die, if because <laughs> I'm not immortal. When, when I die and I am with Jesus and you, some of you are still here on earth, I would love someone to say, she was a woman who said yes to God. Anything you want, God, anytime you want it. You want it right now? I can't move fast enough. Candace, will you do this? Yes. Gary, will you do this? Yes. Well, I didn't even tell you what it is. Doesn't matter, God. You don't need to explain yourself to me. I'm in love with you. What, what do you want? Yeah, but I didn't tell you what it was going to cost you. I don't care about that either. I'm devoted to you, God. I honor you, God. I respect you. And that is how I'll worship you. Anything you want, however long you want it, in any way you want it, I will say yes. Because you're my King Jesus. And I ain't going nowhere. And guess what? Neither is he. Look at Romans 8. Verse 38 says, I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation. Thank you, Lord, for the word nor. Nor a nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Will be able now, I could say nothing will, but that implies something can. I'll say that again. It could say nothing will separate, but that implies something can, and it just won't succeed. But no, the scripture says nothing will be able. Your hope today is nothing has the power to separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. It doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. 
It doesn't exist. It's not real. Just like the falsehood of falling in love in the world's way is a mirage. So is the belief that you can ever have God walk away from you. Never going to happen. Say yes. And then while you're saying yes to God, make sure you're saying yes to what he's telling you to turn away from. Huh? Say yes to the negative. First Timothy six. Verse 11 and 12 says, but as for you, that's you and you and you and you and you and you and everyone in the room and me too. Flee, flee these things. Now in context, we have just heard about greed and gossip and slander and the love of money and all this laundry list of sin, all in anti-God state of mind. Flee from all of those things. We say, yes, but sin besets me. Yes, but sin besets me. But when you are in love with God, dialed into adoration of the King Jesus, don't stand there and say, I mean, I think I could take sin on. Flee, flee from it. Why are you standing there talking about it? Flee from what draws you away to God and do what instead? I love a savior who so clearly tells me what to do. Get away from that and pursue So don't just turn away from, run toward righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness, fight. You are not weak. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are strong. So fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold, grab onto it. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. A long time ago for some of us and maybe for others not that long ago. We said, I choose you, Jesus. I want you, Jesus. But we seem to have forgotten that moment. Life has done us wrong and run us ragged. And we think, I don't remember what that was to fall in love with you. Get back into it. God has gone nowhere. And so I could recap for you all the amazing details that God has given us through his word today. Adore him, see him, recognize him as king. This God who loves you so much, he became flesh and then died for you. And at that sacrifice, every name is below his. He's the king of kings, the Lord of lords. I could do that. I could say to you that you have hope yet to fall in love, not the world's way, which is highly overrated, but God's way, which is highly underrated. I could do that. Thanks for listening to the Vanguard Central podcast. We encourage you to go out and live your faith in real relationship with Jesus and with others. God bless you, friend. See you next time.